on your PC, iPod or smartphone, this is the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. Coming up on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast, we catch up with Australian Defence Force footballer Trisha Muller, Collingwood VFLW coach Penny Kula-Reed, Snowy Mountain Bears footballer Millie Gentle, South Adelaide Panthers coach Chrissy Steen, and we review round two of the Sandville women's competition with Alison Schiller. That's all coming up on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the girlsplayfooty.com podcast, our seventh episode in season four, our 98th episode overall. And a friendly reminder, you can hear this podcast as a radio program Wednesday evenings from 6pm Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time on RSN Carnival, digital radio in Melbourne and on the RSN Racing and Sport app. And don't forget for all the latest women's footy news, go to our website, girlsplayfooty.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Just search for Girls Play Footy. Our first interviewee for this week is a member of the Australian Defence Force. We've called her many times before when she was playing for the Eastern Devils in the VFL Women's Competition. But right now, she finds herself in the top end playing for Waratah in the NTFL Women's Division. It's great to have on the line Trisha Muller. Trish, how are you? Pete, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Not too bad at all. Great to have you on the line. And I guess the question is... What are you doing up in the NT? Uh, yeah, uh, so um, I got posted up here with the Navy, so I'm working at the um, Larrakia Barracks and HMS Coonawarra Gymnasium. Um, yeah, just for a, a short stint, and then I'll be back down in Melbourne. Well, it's good to hear that you'll be coming back soon, but how are you enjoying life up in the top end? Uh, absolutely awesome. Um, being up here, and I, I did the drive, from Melbourne up to Darwin, uh, straight through the gut, so straight up from Adelaide. Uh, and it's a, a, it seems like a different Australia. There is um, so much culture that um, I think that we don't get enough of when you live down the east coast of Australia. Uh, recommend to anyone that lives in our country to do some time uh, in the outback or at least up in Darwin. It's amazing. Absolutely. We're going to touch on that in the moment, but let's just, just step right back for a second. As we mentioned, you played with the Eastern Devils, the ADF. When and where did your football career actually start? I uh, started in uh, New South Wales. So I was the first team that I played for. Um, well, very first game was with the Navy at our National Carnival. Um, and then I started my uh, first year of football at the Western Wolves in Sydney. And then from there, um, deployed overseas. And when I came back, I was posted to Victoria uh, back in 2011 and uh, started playing for the Eastern Devils. And how did you find your way out to Mulgrave Reserve? Uh, well, actually, the, um, so our, our captain for the last uh, VFL team that we had, um, Jessica Foster, she played in the Army team. So we uh, went head-to-head at the National Carnival, Navy versus Army. And um, happened to mention to her after the game that I'd be posting down. So our national carnival's around uh, March, April. So, uh, yeah, um, got chatting with her and mentioned that I was going to be uh, posting down to Melbourne. She asked me to come along and have a look at the Devils go about it on that, that weekend. And, yeah, the rest is history. It was an interesting few years, wasn't it, for the Devils? They went through a period of where they were struggling on the park to one where you even had a finals campaign and, and probably were a bit unlucky not to make it again this, uh, this previous year. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. From uh, when I first started, we had a few different coaches come through. Brendan Major was, oh, well, all of the coaches uh, were great. Brendan definitely um, provided a lot more traction, uh, just the way that he uh, prepared the game and his, or prepared the team, sorry, for the game. Um, and just his footy smarts, just I thought brought um, like a great and higher value uh, to how the girls prepared for the game, their understanding of the team structures and, and how we uh, put that into play. Now, when you're obviously playing carnival football with the Navy, and as you said, when you went to 2011 to the Eastern Devils, who had a Premier and Premier Reserves, I guess it was still a novelty, and there was maybe, like in Victoria alone, a dozen or so women's football clubs around. How have you found it personally to see the explosion in the number of teams, including yourself when you were at the Eastern Devils last year, when there were three clubs, uh, pardon me, three teams? Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, completely exciting. It sort of went from um, just the smaller the uh, D's and the doggies sort of going about it, and that created a lot more hype in itself. Um, to VFL being created from VWFL uh, to yeah, as you just said, the the Devils even getting that third team. Um, and in states like Victoria, you 100% need to have that depth because you have. So much more talent coming through from the youthies now. Uh, so many more people understanding the game, um, learning a lot more or learning the structure and how to play the game differently. So you've got to provide those levels for the girls. And that uh, that's only going to make the AFL um, feed a lot stronger as well when yeah you, you have those levels for the girls to play at. Um, in... When, uh, when I first started in, in Sydney, we only had six teams at that point, um, and now I understand they've got the depth in the divisions as well, so they've got a few divisions there. Um, in the NT, they've still only got the one division, which um, there's already talk this year of the, the need for that second division to be created. Um, I know they do have the Thunder team that will be joining VFL, uh, but I understand that uh, Crows will get some priority in those positions as well. So. Um, yeah, the NTFL will definitely benefit in future years from having different divisions and not just the one women's. During your time with the Eastern Devils, you played with some veterans and legends like Lou Watton and Meg Hutchins, for example. But you also played with some of the young stars, the Sarah Darcy's, the Sophie Casey's, and of course, the Sarah Perkins. Do you think you'll be pinching yourself when you look back in a few years' time to say, I actually played with them before they made the big time? hundred percent. I'm already doing it now. <laughs> I watch them up on the big screen and I talk to the youth girls. Uh, we've got an under-15, under-18 team for, at the Waratahs up here. And they're talking about um, like the likes of Sarah Darcy is uh, like, I want to be that kind of forward. I want to go about the game that way. And yeah, I do, um, do sit back and I'm incredibly gr uh, grateful to be able to have said that I played footy with those people and that they influenced... Um, my my knowledge of the game, but also um, I guess more so, especially for Lou Watton and Meg Hutchins and everyone, um, that they really taught me more about what a footy club is and that it goes beyond the game. It, it's everything about your fans and how you treat each other, the respect that you have for your football club and for everyone that's involved. You just talked about then, I mean, how much more footy club means than just the club itself. And uh, the Eastern Devils, along with a number of teams, have uh, bowed out of state league football um, mm. with the whole big restructure. 
Um, what did that mean for you personally, knowing that that famous black and white Eastern Devils jumper won't be running around anymore? And, and further to that, have you given thought to yourself if you want to play community league football um, in 2018 or are you going to chase an opportunity at another club to, to still play at that state league level? That is a very interesting question, Pete. <laughs> and one that um, and the Eastern Devils have uh, openly said to all girls at that level that they will uh, definitely support um, you if you want to continue to play at that level and um, and go and find another club um, or you can uh, come back and uh, play Div 1 with them. Uh, for me personally, I'm unsure um, on a, a deployment level what will be happening with me in the next uh, sort of year. So I'll wait and um, see where I stand with that one. Will it be tough for you not to see the Eastern Devils running around that top level anymore or, or in any event playing with those players that you've made such great friendships with over the last five or six years? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I guess the interesting fact that we face as females with um, football is that all of the AFL and um, the attraction that we've currently got um, is still in its infancy. So I think, um, unfortunately, it's going to become the nature of that high-level sport. We're going to be separated um, much the same as the other teams uh, that were VFL have had to sort of break away and support their mates um but yeah i guess it comes back to what your culture was like uh so our culture with the eastern devils is we we all are really good mates and we're a big family so we're going to support the development and uh, the opportunities that are presented for each of the individuals and not sort of see it as uh, you've left your club in a way if that makes sense Talking about uh, mates and family, we talk of the Australian Defence Force and you've had the honour on a number of occasions of playing for the ADF in the Anzac match against the uh, VWFL All-Stars over a number of years. In fact, one year you got best on ground. I remember interviewing you at Shepley Oval in Dandenong when you beat the VWFL. And In fact, I think Melissa Kaiser Collingwood actually played that day as well for the VWFL. What does it mean to you personally and for the women of the ADF to play in this Anzac match? Uh, it's an incredible honour to play in the Anzac match. Um, it's for, well, for most of our lives within our career, um, we're uh, continually reminded of uh, that sacrifice that um, the men and women have paid before us and that currently do, or you've got mates deployed. Um, and we know, yeah, we know kind of what it, what it means to be um, in the military to wear the uniform in whatever circumstance it is, whether we're at work or uh, we do get to represent the ADF um, in a, a match similar or in a match like the Anzac Day test. Um, for that entire week leading up to it, there's a lot of talk of what the Anzac spirit is. Uh, and yeah, I know from personal experience when we're all sitting in the club rooms beforehand, um, reflecting on um, what it means to be living in such a free country and what or what our, our men kind of did around around that time and what level of kind of spirit and mateship it took to get through that time. We, we try to take that um, same behaviour and same mindset um, onto the field when we go about it. So, yeah, I know every, every girl that's been um, selected to put on the jumper for the Anzac Day test is, or Anzac Day match um, has had that um, Anzac spirit 
kind of running through their mind and and what that means. And on that, what's it like to play under Danny Glatz, who, of course, has been phenomenal in trying to push women's football not only through the ADF, but obviously in that Canberra area as well? Oh, amazing. Her, her, the second she starts talking to you about what it is um, to be um, a member of the ADF, um, what Anzac spirit is to her and what it, um, what it represents, uh, what it means to be um, a female in the ADF as well, uh, and and definitely what it is to be a part of uh, such a huge movement in our nation with women's football. Like you just you get instant goosebumps and you you're completely captive captivated by every word that she's saying and you really she's the the type of leader that you would go into battle for or that you yeah you just you want to run your guts out on the footy field just to kind of live up to the words that she's drumming into your head. So as we've talked about, you've been deployed to Darwin. So how did the conversation come about for you to end up at Waratah? Uh, through Defence Footy, which um, just seems to be an ongoing thing when you move around the nation. Uh, so Lisa Roberts, who's our captain at Waratahs, um, I had played against her. She played for the Army and um, I, of course, played for the Navy. Uh, so, yeah, just first day up here, um, she popped her head into the uh, physical training office and asked if I was going to come down um, to Waratahs or if I was interested in playing footy. And uh, from there, I met the coach, um, uh, Colleen Gwynn, and we just got to chatting a little bit more about um, what I obviously wanted to play coming up here. They were really welcoming from the start. Um, something that's a little bit, I think, of a step up from any footy uh or any civilian footy club that I've been a part of is there's a really big um, family and community with the entire club, so with the guys and the girls. Uh, like we do club dinners together, we announce the teams on the same night together. We'll run water and uh, run water for like the Premier League team and they'll run it for us. And yeah, it's just from like being, and, and I understand a lot of the clubs up here are like that as well, but I just got such a good vibe being in the Waratahs um, and Colleen Gwynn also um, she's the children's commissioner up here she also started um, a rising tars program which is basically we're um, trying to create use football as a vehicle but trying to create an environment where um, a lot of girls that might have uh, kind of things going on in their community that uh, need that extra level of support uh, feel that they can come into it um, and that's yeah that's been such a huge success I've provided the strength and conditioning part of um, that program but um, we've had like we have girls that are so committed that are coming over uh, from the Tiwi Islands we'll have each of the players will uh, provide their house accommodate the girls for the weekend so we're giving them that opportunity to come into football where they might not without having the program set up they wouldn't be given that opportunity so yeah just so many so many little one percenters about the Waratah footy club drew me to it and couldn't be prouder to play for the club so as you're highlighting there, and certainly no disrespect to the devils there's clearly a difference in culture or what happens behind the scenes particularly for a club yep. that's been a lot more successful which i think Waratah up until last year had won something like five or six in a row ntfl women's premierships yeah, yeah, they they have been very successful, and this year we've um, 
until we played the uh, Darwin Buffaloes uh, a couple of weekends ago, uh, we were undefeated. So we'll go into finals with one defeat. Well, we wish so you... that ver- side of it is, yeah, we having the boys' support and having the entire club support, I think, um, makes a big difference. And on that as well, like we talked about star players in the Eastern Dells, but you've certainly got a star player um, at uh, the Waratah. Speak of Amy Chittick, who um, not only was an a, a NT representative in Youth Girls, but she also uh, represented Melbourne in the Exhibition Match Series uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah, she's definitely a player to watch. She... Um she, you can basically put her anywhere on the field and her intent for the footy is such a standout. Um, for a few games this season, I've been sidelined just through injury. So I've had an opportunity to assist the midfield coaching and just watch the players a little bit more. Um, we, we generally use her as a, a key forward just for her, like she um, won't crack under pressure in front of goals, but her um, strength in her uh, leads and contested work um, when the ball is in dispute is uh, second to none. Uh, and uh, I've actually requested sometimes that she be moved into the midfield because she just she adds something um, uh, kind of a good in and under player as well as an outside player. Her uh, kicking's really accurate. Um, yeah, and as I said, uh, her contested work when the ball's in dispute. Um, is whether you put her in the back line, the mids or the forwards. Um, it's a real standout in our team. And what can you tell us about Sharona Bishop, who uh, has been in, named in the best in 50% of the 16 games that she's played so far this season? Uh, yeah, Sharona, um, I would say um, one of the calmest players. Um, she has a lot of footy smarts, really good vision. Um, on a number of occasions, I'll... We'd have the ball out on the wing and I'd just hear um, this scream for, for me to uh, centre the ball and she'd be running straight up the, um, like she just, she'd be running straight up the field um, to deliver the ball into the forwards. She just, she's a really um, composed, calm person to have back there. Um, and yeah, her, again, her delivery of the footy um, is always really clean. Um, and her, de- yeah, decision making, I don't think, that we've been able to falter each week. Um, And just as a club person as well, she's an awesome person to have around. Always good for a a laugh. Now, as you mentioned, of course, the NT Thunder will play this year in the VFLW. You've played in the VFLW. How do you rate the current quality of NTFL women's football compared to what you've played back in Victoria? Uh, I think it's a lot different in the way um, of... Well, up up here, it seems to be a little bit more of a running game, whereas I found in comparison um, down in Victoria, it was uh, a lot more kind of set in, in structure for um, playing through your lines and that kind of thing. Uh, I think the, a, definitely a huge, um, a huge uh, uh, factor that's going to affect VFL when they come up um, is the heat and knowing how that's going to affect their performance and recovery, um, a significant difference in how you need to rotate the midfield or rotate um, your players. I remember the first game when I came up, I thought I could last almost the whole quarter and um, then I was almost out for two more quarters just from uh, getting a little bit of um, sort of heat stress on there. Uh, so that's going to be a factor when uh, VFL come up um, and also up here at yeah, as I said, it just seems to be a lot more of a running game. Um, 
So it will be interesting to see how the Vicks go uh, when they come up here and also how our um, girls go when they go down there. Um, knowing, though, that there's a lot of Crows players, I think, that are already moving all around, um, I think that they should be fine. And I think that um, the uh, knowledge of the game and the spread, like looking at the Crows um, through this year and when they did um, play their, their pre-season match up here, um, they've already got that knowledge of the uh, of spreading the team out and how to use the ball around the whole field. So, um, yeah, I think they'll be able to impart that into any girl that's um, successful in being selected um, into the Thunder team. I think I saw someone from Geelong VFLW joking online saying, I think they had uh, the trip up to Darwin, I think, in July, which they said they were looking forward to getting away from the Melbourne winter. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Well, we do have a, a fair few players, like men and women, that um, get uh, do fly up to do this season. Um, I don't know why. It's, it's ridiculous when you get the monsoon rain coming through, the humidity just skyrockets. And uh, for the women's, definitely the majority of the wet season, we've played at 12 p.m. So it definitely adds that, um, that level of um, stress to the body. But... Honestly, like the commitment and willingness for the girls to participate in the game is huge. Like we've got girls that travel in our league that travel um, three plus hours away that live down in Catherine just to play. Like everyone is so, so keen and they're like sponges. Uh, like you, we've got um, the one of our newer players, Tina, um, she comes from a netball background and She's played the majority of our games um, in running through the centre. Like she's just she's picked up the game so well. So I think that yeah, where where we might go about um, the each week where we might go about the game a little bit different to how VFL would. Um, I wouldn't imagine that it's going to take those players long to adjust to um, defending well or or coming up against a VFL opponent well. And that's extraordinary, travelling three hours from Catherine to be able to play in oh, the competition. Yeah. But, but I think I can raise it one more. Nightcliffe have a new player, Jess Blecker, who's come from Portland, Oregon. So, yes. Uh, <laughs> that's a slightly longer journey. 100%, yeah. Well, Trish, thank you very much for joining us here at Girls Play Footy. It's been great chatting with you, and we wish you all the very best throughout your finals campaign in the NTFL women's competition, and we look forward to seeing you back playing footy in Victoria when you return home. Awesome. Thanks for your time, Pete. You're listening to Girls Play Footy on RSN Carnival Digital Radio in Melbourne and on the RSN Racing and Sport app, also available as a podcast via Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. I'm Peter Holden. Our next guest on the line is a legend of Victorian women's sport, and she's only just turned 30. When it comes to cricket, she represented the Victorian second 11. In gridiron, she played with the Victorian maidens in the LFL Australia competition. In Aussie rules, she's represented her state and played for the St Kilda Sharks for 15 years, including last year co-captaining her side to a preliminary final appearance in the VFLW competition. Now she's a coach at the Collingwood Football Club. She'll be leading their VFLW team in season 2018. It's great to have on the line the one and only Penny Killer-Reed. Penny, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Peter. How are you? 
Not too bad at all. I, I feel it's kind of strange almost speaking to you as a coach because I say that you're still a young 30. You're, you're still in very good form near the end of your career with the St Kilda Sharks. Um, what made you decide to hang up the boots and pick up the whistle and go into the coaching ranks? Oh, I wouldn't say that the boots are on the shelf or the hook just yet. Um, but the opportunity came up at Collingwood and I had no hesitation to grab it with both hands after my playing career or the, the AFL playing career. I really wanted to get into coaching um, and there's no better place than here at Collingwood. So how did the conversation around that come about? So when I was approached um, early last year um, after having a conversation with Wayne um, Seekman in my exit interview for the AFL, um, they sort of planted the seed there saying, um, unfortunately, you've been delisted, but, you know, we see that the leadership and the quality of coaching in you. So we're just sort of going to let you sort of think about if you're interested in coaching next year um, in terms of the development coaching role that they have in the AFL W system here. Um, and I replied back to them saying, that's very kind of you. Um, I've always thought about coaching, but I want to see how I go in the VFL and, and see if I get picked up from another team. Um, and they were obviously very um, polite about that. And then sort of towards the end of the VFL season, I sort of sat back and reflected on my, my playing um, season that year and said, look, you know, there's no better opportunity than to you know, start coaching at such a young age. And we don't have a lot of female coaches um, in the AFLW or in the VFL. So I really wanted to sort of take that step and really challenge myself in this sort of um, space. Now, I believe as well, prior to picking up the VFLW role, there was some type of community role with Collingwood, some clinics, et cetera, that you're also doing as well? Yes, I was also offered the um, Next Generation Academy coach which saw uh, myself be um, an assistant coach away with an, um, another guy called Dale Sutton and Wayne Seekman was the head coach there. And so he basically just allowed us to coach however we wanted to coach under the guidance of, of Wayne. Um, and that was really good, like coaching girls and boys from the ages of 11 all the way up to 15. Um, and that was really good to sort of see the different dynamics of um, coaching girls to coaching boys to coaching multicultural um, people who've never seen or, or know what football is all about. So that was a really good stepping stone into um, my language and how to explain, you know, what a drop punt is or how to handball. Um, it was really good for me to really strip it back and get back to the basics. Now, of course, let's say, for example, um, if this was like the old VWFL days, if you were a coach, you weren't coaching St Kilda Sharks, you went to go coach Diamond Creek, for example. Okay, you're a stranger walking in the doors, but the club and everything already, all the playing squad exists. You're work walking into Collingwood, not quite a stranger because you did play there for one AFLW season, but for the VFLW squad, there's actually technically no players. Everything's from scratch. How daunting is that to have to build essentially everything up from zero? Oh, it's it's not daunting. It's exciting. It's it's so exciting that, you know, we put the applications out for anyone who wanted to apply um, to be in the Collingwood VFL squad. And we've picked up some amazing players, like players who, like, you don't know yet, but they're, they're, going, they're going to come out. And um, I'm really, really excited to see some of these players adventure into the AFLW. Like, my plan and my goal this year is to get, you know, a number of them drafted into the AFLW. Um, and I'm the lucky one that gets to teach them how to play footy. Like, how good's that? 
Well, it is. It's it's absolutely sensational. And I believe you actually had a talent ID day, I think, going back to late last year. So what were the original numbers applying to be part of Collingwood VFLW and what have you had to whittle it down to from there? So we had a, a testing day or a tr- come and try day on the um, September the 11th last year. Um, and we had over 350 applicants apply through an online system. Um, and that was, you know, daunting at start because there's so many applicants. So we sort of narrowed it down to 100 um, players. And then from that, we made up, uh, they went through sort of testing. So they did like the the sprint test, the agility test. Um, they went outside and did some some skill-based stuff. And from there, we, we cut it down to a squad of 50. Um, and now we're just sort of in the process still of training and, and cutting our squad down to um, a number of players that um, we need to sort of have because we don't know in, in terms of the AFL, we don't know how many girls are going to be on the list next year. We, we sort of don't know until, you know, the nitty-gritty parts of the end of the AFLW season where they sort of look at that list management and, you know, if the girls are signed at Collingwood, if they want to play in the VFL, all that sort of stuff. So we don't really have... Um, a specific number, um, but we have signed a few players that we definitely want to keep around our club and really want to build um, the team around those girls rather than the team around who or who may not be at Collingwood next year. And what's that conversation like, picking up the phone, um, calling around uh, well-known VFLW players, that those that may have played AFLW or those who haven't, that, of course, are looking for a home? Because we know, like your St Kilda Sharks, a bunch of clubs that were there last year aren't there this year, so there's all these players floating around the system looking for a home. What's those conversations been like, and how busy have you been on the phones trying to say, come play for us at the Magpies? Well, I think it's important for the girls to make that conversation themselves rather than us going out and reaching out to them. I think, you know, a lot of the, I I can only speak from a St Kilda Sharks point of view is um, that they need to go to a club that they're going to feel comfortable in and they're going to continue to improve their football. And if they think that's here at Collingwood, well then fantastic. If they think that's at Williamstown or Essendon or St Kilda, you know, the Southern Saints and, you know, I'm all for that. I think it's important that we spread out the talent of those um, non-existing clubs anymore, which is really sad. But it's important that we spread that out, but also get, you know, the quality players still playing that quality football and not leave them, you know, in a Division One team where, you know, they're just going to dominate. They need to be challenged as well, but also makes our VFL competition a lot stronger, having those experienced players in, in that competition. So um, it wasn't too hard for me to sort of suggest and, and talk to the, the girls from a, a St Kilda point of view about where they should play their football. Um, that was ultimately their decision of where they wanted to go. Now, as you mentioned earlier, trying to get that number down to around 50, uh, currently uh, Magpies that you have training for the VFLW. Um, what is the makeup looking like at the moment between those that uh, have been playing football, whether it being VFLW or the suburban leagues like the Northern and the Southeast competition, compared to those who are absolutely brand new? They're the cross-code athletes that are trying their hand at the game. Uh, so we've got a couple of girls from uh, the VAFA competition. Um and they're, they're really good. So they've played a couple of years of footy. We haven't – I think we picked up one girl who's from South Australia named Jessica Edwards. Um, she was training with the South Australian um, or the Adelaide oh, team and unfortunately um, hadn't been picked up in the draft. But she's come across here to Melbourne um, to try her luck in the Melbourne-based AFLW team and she picked Collingwood over 
everybody else, which was a fantastic news for us. So we're really excited to have her um, on board. She brings a lot of experience and she's really elite at the way that she goes about her football. Um, so if I can help her take that next step into AFLW, then that's, you know, my goal. Um, we've got a lot of rookies and cross-coders. We've got a girl who plays Quidditch, has never seen football before. She's from ACT. Um, when she came in, she goes, so what does a forward player do and where do they stand? And so that was really um, good from my point of view, again, so I can strip it right back and get down to the basic details. So with those rookie players, they haven't got any bad habits. So we are teaching them from scratch and that's fantastic because then we can just teach them the way that the Collingwood way um, rather than a, a way that they thought that they knew how to play football, but now they're coming into a different environment. So that's been really exciting and really fascinating to watch how they go about their football. Um, you know, just even a simple thing is learning how to handball. Um, but they're, they're killing it and then they're doing such a great job, hence why they're still in, in our rookie system. You talk about um, the Collingwood way. Um, uh, during this AFLW season, have they had you sitting in the coach's box watching and observing? And are they wanting to try and take that AFLW game plan blueprint and copy it down to VFLW? Or are they looking at a different game plan to, I guess, work to the skill level of the players that you've got there at VFLW? Uh, so Wayne's been um, fantastic in the way that he's sort of allowing me to run my own program, um, obviously under the guidance of, of himself. And, you know, it being my mentor, um, it's really good having those conversations with him. So he, he doesn't really want a blueprint of the AFLW game plan, I guess, or structures, I guess you could call them. He really wants to allow me to take it to a different level. That way um, the girls that are playing can see a different type of training a different type of game plan a different structures all that sort of stuff to develop their football rather than keeping to the same sort of structures and game plan of the afl now just one last one before we let you go early on the show we're speaking to trisha muller from the eastern devils who's currently up in darwin in the northern territory playing footy you're scheduled in the middle of winter on the 30th of june to head up to the nt the tio stadium to play the nt thunder um, are you ready for the shock from the winter cold to the humidity of Darwin, middle of the season? Uh, look, uh, it's going to be another challenge that we're going to get around to the girls and make sure that, you know, maybe we'll train in extra jumper layers and <laughs> maybe we'll train it on a Saturday afternoon rather than a, if we've got a bye week. I think that's just part of football. You know, we're not the only team that gets to go up there and have that as an additional challenge, but that's all part of footy, isn't it? It's just about the environment around we might be playing on you know where it's raining and pouring and thunderstorms to you know the torrential winds and, and heat of the nt so yeah I, I i don't i can i'm excited that you know these girls get the opportunity to travel up to the nt um and play there which is exciting from a, a vfl perspective and definitely moving forward in the what we're trying to do overall is you know get exposure around the, the country of afl and one quick one just before we let you go. Obviously, we know that you're very, very passionate about the St Kilda Sharks. Um, as much as you've got a lot on your plate with the Collingwood VFL, is there any chance throughout the season you'll be spotted occasionally down at the St Kilda Sharks? Uh, look, I'm not I'm not going to say anything about that just yet. But look, the, uh, it's been my home for 15 years and it's hard to sort of um, move a, move away from, from the club that's basically brought you up since you were 16. So I'll definitely be around there at some stage, but who knows, might even put the boots on. 
Well, Penny, thank you very much for joining us here at Girls Play Footy. We wish you all the very best in your new coaching journey at the Collingwood Magpies. Thank you, Peter. Thanks for having me. So from a legend to our next guest, a young woman who hopefully will have a very long and successful career. She's already represented New South Wales ACT at the youth girls level. Now she's taking on the challenge of starting up a brand new team, the Snowy Mountain Bears, in a brand new competition, the AFL Southern New South Wales Women's League. It's great to have on the line Millie Gentle. Millie, how are you? Good, thank you. How are you? Not too bad at all. Great to have you on the line. Now, the Snowy Mountain Bears, how did this idea all come about? Um, I got a phone call from a couple of girls inquiring about playing Marina um, AFL with the Lions. And then we spoke about just getting our own team up and running and just started messaging around and seeing who wanted to play. And we found a couple of girls from the Snowy Mountain area, so we decided to go with that. Now, of course, we should point out this is a totally new competition, isn't it? As opposed to obviously AFL Canberra's Women's League runs throughout the uh, throughout the winter, so this is just like strictly a uh, a summer autumn competition, so to speak. Yeah, it's a river. Um, it's our first riverina like competition for uh, Wagga and surrounding areas, so like Griffith and Coonamundra and stuff like that. Excellent. So, like you said, you put out the, the call to ask for, for girls to come along. I mean, this is southern New South Wales. It's kind of a cross area where some like Aussie rules, some like rugby league. It's a bit of a, I guess, more of a rugby league heartland. So, h- how did you find numbers responding to wanting to play with the Bears this year? Um, well, from our region, so from Chumad and Tumbarabba, we picked up probably eight girls, eight girls out of our team. Mm-hmm. And from that, then I've also arranged for the school logger for some of my school friends to play and some of like out of skirts girls to play too for the cool men and surrounding areas. Excellent. So what, what do you have as a squad number at the moment? Because I think it's 16 aside football. So when it comes um, to... This... I think we're 15 at the moment and we're still open to plenty of numbers. We're hoping to grab a couple more before the season starts for the next three weeks. And, yeah, we're still wait- we're just waiting on a couple of girls to reply about it and see if they would like to play. And as you said, it's like a pretty spread out area. So do you have all the girls try to come together in the one venue to train or you're all training in separate areas and then meeting together on match day? Um, no, we're training in Wagga on Mondays and Wednesdays for an hour and a half. And we to start off the season, we did pre-season, we did do a training session in June, just for make it a little bit easier for the Chimic girls. And then we went further out and we went out to Wagga. And that's great to hear. Now, like you said, you, you cover a big area. So what's the furthest someone has to travel in your area? Because that's quite a large section of southern New South Wales. So our Chimic girls to travel to Wagga is an hour. And then our Tumba girls, which is our furthest, is probably about an hour 45. Now, let's talk through your squad at the moment, Millie. Out of the players you've got, how many have played before throughout, as you said, there was the AFL Canberra competition with the Riverina Lions playing in that. So how many do have experience and how many uh, first-timers do you have to your team? Um, we have all but two are first-timers. So, and then we've converted them from Union. So they've all, um, all the our girls have had a footy in their hands before, but they're just different footies. So... All pretty much, we've all played some types except two. So they're obviously all used to the contact sport, that's no problems at all. But I guess just a slight difference in kicking style, obviously, between rugby and Aussie rules. 
Yeah, a little bit. And the handballing aspect like, is a little bit harder for them to get used to as well. Hopefully they're able to pick up those skills quickly. How about yourself, Billy? Where did your footy journey first begin? Um, it began last year. I tiled for my very first game of playing footy was playing in the New South Wales team. So I tried out for that in Sydney in April, I think, last year. So that's an absolute rapid um, uh, uh, skyrocketing improvement for you because you actually represented AFL New South Wales ACT in the Youth Girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm playing that. I played that 2017, and I've just been. Um, I'm in the squad for that this year as well. And I noticed from um, a representative game between uh, the Riverina area and uh, the Canberra women's competition, uh, such players playing in that game. You played alongside Jodie Hicks, and you played against the likes of Britt Tully. Yeah, yeah. I played in the that's the southern that's the southern team, uh, southern New South Wales team, and we played against Canberra, and I was. Alongside one of my mates, uh, we were the only two teenagers on the field that game. So that was pretty. It was a pretty good experience to play alongside the GWS girls. And for you coming into Aussie Rules, what other sports had you taken up beforehand? I played netball, and I also did. I'm a triathlete as well. So certainly a fit individual, and it's helping, obviously, with your fitness base into the game. Now, you're a top-age youth girl, I believe. Um, yeah. So that means you'll be throwing your hat in the ring and fingers crossed for the AFLW draft for the 2019 season. Oh, hopefully. Yeah, if it, goes, it works out that way, that would be excellent, yeah. That's great to hear. And obviously, if you sat down with your parents at this stage and decided to talk about, okay, what draft pool will I nominate for, whether it be for the New South Wales draft pool or Victoria, because obviously there'll be more teams there this uh, next year. Yeah, um, I haven't really decided yet what I'll do, considering New South Wales only does have GWS team running at the moment, and they they only had a minimal amount of girls come from uh, New South Wales who actually play in the GWS, most of them come from other states. However, the number has rose a lot this year. But um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm a Collingwood supporter, so I'd be more than happy to go over to Victoria and play if I had that opportunity. That's fantastic to hear. Now, as we've been talking about, this New Southern New South Wales AFLW competition uh, kicks off Friday, February 23. Um, when it was first announced when your team was going to enter, there was only two sides at that stage, but you must be uh, blown away that there will be at least five Southern New South Wales teams in this competition. Yes, yeah, it's, it's an excellent turnout. Like, it was good to have teams such as the Rena White and, and the Kittamundra Blues teams to come play and, like, just set the standard, I guess, for the playing field because they're obviously both playing the Canberra League, so it's great to have them participating in the like a pre-season kind of thing for them. That's excellent to hear, and another team called the Bush Pigs as well have uh, entered the competition. And for you at yeah, all... Yeah, thank you. And for you, it all kicks off uh, on the Friday night, February 23, at Wagga Under Lights at 7.45. Yeah, against Griffiths is our first game. Fantastic here. And what have you actually heard from those other sides? Are they also getting good numbers as well? Um, actually, I think it's a little bit low at the moment for numbers. I, um, I'm actually playing with the Riverina Lions for the Canberra series. And um, I know they're, they're still pushing for numbers. And a couple of other teams only have 14 or 15. So there's so much like, opportunities to still get picked up by one of them teams. 
Well, cross fingers that we get uh, plenty of names uh, signed up in time for the start of the season. Uh, just in case, uh, Millie, there's any girls out there that do want to uh, take up uh, Aussie rules in southern New South Wales that are listening to our show, uh, where can they get more information? Um, so they can contact either um, AFL, Southern AFL New South Wales, or they can also contact um, Weasel Australia Mountain's Facebook page. If they would like to play with us, we're a really young side, so they're more than welcome to contact. And they will actually be speaking to me or my mum if they do. So plenty of opportunities. The Riverina Alliance has their page up and running as well. So... So look for that Facebook page, Snowy Mountain Bears Women's AFL, and you'll be able to find them. Uh, just before I let you go as well, uh, Millie, just a little bit of inside information, a little bit of scoop. Who's a couple of the players you think from your side we should be looking out for this season? Uh, Liv Jones is probably a name that she'll probably have a good run up in the forward. And Hannah Finnamore, who probably, he'll be our rock. She'll be a standout player as well, I think. Excellent. We're looking forward to how they perform. Uh, Millie, thank you very much for joining us here at Girls Play Footy. All the very best in the Southern New South Wales AFL Women's Competition and then, of course, the AFL Canberra Competition throughout the winter and your Youth Girls Campaign as well. No worries. Thank you. You're listening to Girls Play Footy. I'm Peter Holden. Thanks for your company. Our next guest is the reigning premiership coach with the Adelaide University Women's Football Club, now, she is coach of the South Adelaide Panthers in the Sample Women's Competition, and they've got off to a cracking start in their debut season in this competition by winning two from two already by very comfortable margins. It's great to have on the line Chrissy Steen. Chrissy, how are you? Hi, Peter. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Great to have you back on the line again. First of all, how exciting is that for you to be now known as a Sample coach? Yeah, it's fantastic. It's um, it's a real honour, um, not just to be, you know, coaching one step below AFLW, but to be um, at South Adelaide Football Club because they've got such a commitment to women's football. So it's um, it's an honour in more ways than one, to be honest. Can you explain the hard work that goes into being a coach of a new team, an expansion team, when? Essentially, you walk on the door, you've got no players, no coaches. Yes, there's a club administration and structure like that, but when it comes to the actual team itself, there's nothing there yet to begin with. No, there was nothing at all. Um, and when I had the interview with South, um, they said that they were hoping that the coach would be quite hands-on with the, with the setting up process because they were also obviously new to women's football. They've got a strong uh, youth girls program, but they weren't to the women's competition um, so I think one of the things that helped me uh, was that I was involved with the Western Bulldogs drafting process uh, Craig Starkovich when he was the head coach of the Bulldogs was he's a really generous uh, coach with his assistant coaches and so we had quite a bit of input in the whole drafting process and, um, and part of my job was to analyse the national competition so I could take that experience into together and we've, I've got a couple of mentors that are involved in um, 
at AFL level and, and those boys have helped me immeasurably in, um, in setting the standard for how we want our program to look and to be. So I'm, I'm really I'm, I'm lucky in that way, to be honest. You talk about setting up that program. Is there actually any communication, I guess, from the Adelaide Football Club and AFLW coming back down to the Sample Club saying, this is the type of things we'd like you to do to prepare these players? Because obviously most of them will be in the SA draft pool for for, for future Adelaide Crows players going forward. No. <laughs> no, no, I haven't had a conversation with um I haven't had a conversation with anyone from the Adelaide Footy Club, but but uh, Adelaide Footy Club are they they've got their own they've got a train on spot, um, and they also have uh, they've they've got a, uh, an, an academy that starts soon. So I think rather than um, I think they're probably doing it themselves. Yeah, doing it themselves to be honest. I did meet with Phil Harper at the end of uh, of Adelaide University's season and he was fantastic he was a great guy and um we talked a lot about footy and how we wanted to play football and um but so far this season no but i, I would guess that they're probably wrapped up with uh <laughs> with the job that they've got at hand at the moment now um obviously as you said you had like a little mini draft with yourselves and sturt which you picked a, a couple of players being the new expansion teams but uh, most central clubs also have um uh, zoning regions which do grab their players from can you explain for yeah. south adelaide uh, what that area encompasses oh gosh now you're texting me because i we've got a huge southern region um I don't know where and from. I don't know where it starts and where it ends, but I just know that we're the south. <laughs> I just know that we're the south, and then we've got some really good players in it. So we were lucky in that sense. And of course, we should explain a bit. When we say South Adelaide, it's not like as in uh, South Melbourne is to Melbourne, which is the next suburb down, which South Adelaide were many, many years ago. But of course, you're down uh, in the very outer southern suburbs of Adelaide at Norlunga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're about 40, so the club is about 45 minutes from the city. Um, so I guess what would that probably be the equivalent of Geelong, really, in, in Melbourne, I guess? Something like that? Yeah, some, something like a Lara, Werribee Lara area. So, yeah, a, f- a fair bit out towards the uh, outer suburbs. So you, you've got your team together. You had your debut um, just the previous week, a Friday night at Higginbotham Oval. Reports are a 1,000 showed up to watch your team under lights put on a clinic, a five-goal victory over Glenelg. In fact, you denied them any goals. Yeah, it was, it was a fantastic evening. The, um, the senior men's team cancelled their training. So the senior SNFL men's team cancelled their training and they all attended the game. Um, and it's that's just an example of the one club's attitude at South. They just, you know, I've got an office uh, right next to the development uh, the reserve and development coach and, and also Jared who's the head coach of the men's and we all have a bit of banter and stuff so everyone's really behind one another and then the Panther um, the uh, what do they call the cheer squad came down we had all the flags going and it was huge like there would have been a, a, that absolute minimum a thousand people because there were cars all around the oval beating their horns it was just it was great for the girls it was a really great atmosphere it was beautiful can you tell us a little bit about uh, Montana McKinnon? Because in that game against Glenelg, she won the hit-out battle 39-14. to 14. Yeah, Montana McKinnon, we're working pretty closely with Mon. I'm pushing her <laughs> I'm pushing her very hard. Uh, she'd probably tell you a bit more about that, the poor thing. But um, 
I think that I know that Mon's got aspirations of playing AFLW, and she's so very, very, very capable. She's a fantastic rock, um, and she's also a great uh, place for her really well on the half back line. She takes a beautiful mark. Um, so we're just uh, we're working with her with her work rate, but she certainly went into the to the first game flying so we're, we're really happy with her she's doing really well and another standout on baller elise house and um she gathered 22 possessions and laid six tackles yeah she's fantastic she's she's played this is what i mean like this southern region unbelievable she's played one season of division three football she came to us in october and could barely kick the football i hope she wouldn't mind me saying that um, and now she, you know, like her kick has really improved. She scored two goals on the weekend on the run. Um, she, she's, she's really grasped the idea of how to clear a footy out and get it on the outside. And, you know, she's like a little terrier in there getting the ball and then she's gone. So she's, um, and on top of that, she's just a sensational person. So, yeah, she's great. Uh, heading into round two, you took on the other expansion team in um, Sturt. Big winners, 51-9. to nine. So you've improved the scoring yet again. Uh, things just seem to be clicking along beautifully for the Panthers. Oh, look, they're okay. I mean, our first half, the scoreboard probably doesn't reflect um, the pressure that Sturt put on us, to be honest. I don't think they were rewarded for their effort in the first half, and we certainly weren't playing the kind of football that we want to play. We, we, we definitely weren't playing our brand. Um, but that's a positive thing, Peter, because it means that the girls have got a chance to now look at what they weren't doing right, which is a really great teaching point. Um, but then we kind of we got it together in the second half, and then we ran away with it, which was um, which was again positive. <laughs> uh, thank God we got it together. Uh, dominating those inside fifties, by the way, in the second half, thirty-five to eleven. Um, some of the standout players in the game: uh, Molly McKendrick, sixteen touches; Nikki Gore, seventeen touches and six tackles. Yeah, Nikki Gore's another one. I mean, I think we we can probably rest assured that we'll only have Nikki at South for this year because she'll be she will be. Um, I put my car on it that she will get picked up next year, and um, you know, if the, if the Crows. If the Crows overlook that one, because they've overlooked quite a few South Australian talented girls, if they overlook that one, they'll be crazy because she'll be absolutely snapped up interstate. Yeah, as we've known already, Courtney Gum starring with GWS and Sophie Lee fitting in beautifully to the Carlton yeah. Blues. Yeah, they're both absolute quality players and they were standouts with... Uh, with Adelaide University. So, um, yeah, I think it would have been interesting to see the Crows if they'd have picked up Courtney and Sophie, who had worked together for a whole season in the midfield. And then they had, and they were used to feeding the ball to Ruth, uh, Ruth Wallace, if I'm talking about Ruth up front. I think it would have been interesting to see um, what the dynamic in the team would have been with them all together. But it wasn't meant to be, obviously. And not to stir the pot, but considering Phillips and Cramey are both uh, missing those first two games, what could have Gum and Lee both done for the Crows uh, to fill their absence? Yeah. One, one can only wonder. Um, just quickly back to South Adelaide on your round two victory as well. The speedy Madison Bennett laid a game-high 11 tackles. She's unbelievable. She's unbelievable. She is so fast. In a, in a track, put it this way, we, I mean, we have GPS at every training and, and games and in training the other night just 
in a drill. So it was just in a, you know, just in a game sense drill. She clocked 28.6 Ks an hour. That's how fast she is. So she's like a little bullet, um, but she's also a ta- ferocious tackling machine. I don't know how tall she was. She should probably be only about, she wouldn't be any taller than five foot two. Unbelievable, and that's another name to look out for, particularly when the AFLW draft comes around in October. Um, just before yeah. I let you go, obviously everyone's looking at South Adelaide at the moment as the trendsetters, but obviously you're keeping an eye on the teams that are uh, going into their second season of Sandfield W. The great thing is the games are streamed, so we can look back at the vision. In your view, who do you see as the benchmark that you want to try and get, obviously, before you get to the finals? Hmm. Uh, that's hard to say. To, to be honest, they were um, everybody played yesterday in a triple header, and so we had a look at all of the teams. Um, I, you know, North, Norwood, and West are all looking very strong. They're all playing very different football, um, but I don't think any one of those three are going to be a pushover by by any means. I mean, we face West this week, and uh, and we're going to stick to the way that we play, but. With West, we play very similar football. So they're probably the most similar to us. Um, so that'll be a good test of who executes the, the same plan uh, better. Um, and then when we face Nord and North, it'll be a whole different whole different uh, ball game. But, yeah, I, I, I couldn't say there's some, there's some great talent in all the teams and, and they've all got good coaches. So it'll just be interesting to see what happens from here. And you can never, ever write off any team. With the stuff that Sturt threw at us in the first quarter, uh, I don't think we can write them off. They're going to keep getting better and they've got an excellent coach. And Glenelg have just got some really experienced players. And I think as the season goes on, obviously because we're 10 rounds, yeah, we won't be writing anyone off. (laughs) Definitely not. Um, So as far as who scalp we want, we want them all. Well, Christy, thank you very much for joining us here at Girls Play Footy, and we wish your Panthers all the very best throughout the remainder of the 2018 Sandford Women's season. That's great. Thanks, Peter. I'll talk to you soon, I'm sure. So since we're on the subject of the Sandball Women's Competition, let's have a look at what happened in round two of that competition by chatting to a woman from the Two Crows podcast, our regular Adelaide reporter, Alison Schiller. Ali's on the line. Great to have you. And Ali, South Adelaide, bang, 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 bang. As we spoke to Chrissy Steen, they're out of the blocks, flying start to the season. Coming out of the blocks, Chrissy's got them firing on all cylinders, as per normal with her um, prestige and quality, shall we say. Uh, South, well, I mean, the game started slowly, but in the end, they just built it after half time. And Sturt, poor Sturt, took them three quarters of a game before they could actually register a goal. Uh, going down to South Adelaide by 42 points. So, uh, what are we, 7.951 to 1.39. Um, leading disposal to South, Luella McCarthy. Uh, she came up the tweed. We had Gore, Davidson, Maidman, uh, good old Molly McKendrick, Lamar, Lamar uh, Buchanan, and Hannah Munrad getting in there amongst the disposals as well. Um, Caitlin Swanson to Sturt, Jess Foley, Shay Gundlach, Jess Schultz, Mahabasham, uh, and Power. Uh, tipping in for Sturt, but yeah, out of that, goals for the South of Davis and Bosley, Housing, McCarthy, and Sturt, Nicole Baker from um, Salisbury tipped their solitary one. But yeah, the Double Blues haven't been doing too well with their arrival to the to the expanded um, SANFLW, whereas South have absolutely thrived in there. And the only sad news for South uh, was Tony Felkey going down with an ACL. 
So our thoughts and best wishes go out to her there as well. Looking ahead to game two of round two, North Adelaide 10-9-69, too good for Glenelg 4-3-27. Yeah, uh, North putting on an absolute clinic there for, for uh, against Glenelg. And also, while I'm thinking of it, um, congratulations to Caitlin Rosen, to off North Adelaide. She was the round two Powerade Breakthrough Player nomination. So she's they're getting some good things happening down there. But, yeah, North Adelaide, too strong across the board there. Um, disposals out there for North with Barco, Tynan, Ellis. Kat Reynolds was in there, and obviously Kate and Rosenswoy played an absolute blinder. Also kicking three goals. With Ka- uh, Castle Bowles, Allen, Reynolds and Greet for the goals there for North. For Glenelg, realistically, um, same verse, or second, second verse, same as the first. Brennan Walling holding up and doing all the heavy lifting for Glenelg at the moment with 23 disposals and also kicking uh, multiple, being the only multiple goal scorer for Glenelg. So Tigers had a bit of resurgence in the game, but um, Chrissy Carson came in and booted two goals during the game in the third term and um, just put the put it all away for them. So Margaret Barco, just a bit of a uh, side note there, is actually the sister of uh, John Premiership player Travis Barco. And she finished up with 19 touches, as I mentioned before. So, but North Adelaide, too strong. Glenelg, um, struggling at the moment. Westie's got the better of the reigning Premier's Norwood, 4226 to 2 Yeah, I think people weren't too sure about the way this one would go, and I wasn't actually sure myself. I thought it would be a good test for Norwood coming up against Westie's. And um, looking now, I think MJ might have been out too, who uh, Mariana Ratchik for. Uh, the crochet was just as an emergency in there, so that may have had a bit of an impact on Norwood. Uh, for Westies, uh, that was a trip down to a 12-point game there, but Evan, Solly, Martin, Armistead, uh, she was um, from the Crows. Martin, Killian and Lowry uh, getting in there. For Norwood, Monique Hollick, uh, topped the ranks there with 16. Benton Bush, Millard, Reed and O'Day tipping in there with 11 at the end. Goals to Westies, uh, um, Jamie Tad kicked two. Uh, Maseki and Killian, and for Norwood, Helen Gibson got on the board there. All three games of those were played out at Hickam Bottom Oval for a triple treat for all the fans. I think they got about 600 people out there for that. And for those that weren't um, at the game, obviously might have been, I will assume, streaming games live on YouTube from the FANFLW channel, which is absolutely awesome. And may I add to that as well, if people are thinking, oh, there's no Friday night women's footy this week because the AFLW is on Saturday. You are wrong. Streamed online, two Friday night games in the round three for the Sandville W, and it kicks off at uh, 6 p.m. Adelaide time, 6.30 p.m. Melbourne time. Uh, West Adelaide hosting South Adelaide. Yes. Um, this one will be the clash of the round. City Mazda Stadium there, Westie's home ground. This is my pick of the, pick of the round here, absolutely. And... Oh, I'm going to back South in here for a bit of an upset. Westies, I believe, should go in as favourites after what they did to Norwood. But um, I'd like to get uh, South East to, to get the Panthers to come in over top of the Wolves over there. Um, the second game, as you mentioned, we had a doublehead down there, Sturt versus North Adelaide. Um, Sturt desperately trying to get on the board here, and but I think North Adelaide will be too strong. So your Friday night football under lights, people get around it. Statewide Super Women's League. And coming up on Saturday out at Cooper's Stadium. And this is before the Crows versus Western Bulldogs. We've got Norwood versus Glenelg. 
Um, at home, again, Norwood, I'd pick would be too strong for Glenelg, um, but I'd love to see a bit more showing. And Brianna Walling is doing her chances um, no harm if there's any other long-term injuries at the cross where we can pick her up from Glenelg and slot her in. But, yeah, so down at Cooper's, 10.10 a.m. on Saturday, February the 17th, followed by Adelaide versus Western Bulldogs at 1.35 p.m. where the Crows are going to be desperately scratching their way to a win over the Bullies with hopefully the big-name flipper coming back and gracing us with her presence, and hopefully she's over that injury. Um, unfortunately, I'm not sure about Courtney Cramie. That would have been absolutely delight for me to have both of them back in, but I'm absolutely not not sure she'll actually get back into the team this round, Peter. Thanks very much for that, Ali, and we look forward to catching up with you again next week when we review round three of the Sample Women's Competition. Well, we're just about out of time here at Girls Play Footy. Before I go, a quick reminder for all the latest women's footy news, go to our website, girlsplayfooty.com. Find us on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook. I'm Peter Holden. I look forward to your company again next week.